Welcome to the, well, what is it? Oh, it's the Look, It's Rock and Roll podcast. Look, uh, it's rock and roll. Because we're going to take you back. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea what I'm doing today. I've had a hell of a week at work already, and it's only today. Because we no longer do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's just today, 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 today. That day planner I was given for Christmas is not coming in any use whatsoever this year. So um, it gives us an opportunity to bring new groups of people together to talk about music. Andy, you're probably a little high in your your vertical video. Can you kind of come down a little? There you go. No, keep going down. You mean like slouch? I can slouch. That's yeah. easy. Yeah, assume, <laughs> assume the slouch. Um, but for people who've not met you on this show, you are Andy. Tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Well, I thought you were going with Brenton first. Well, we want to have. Oh, thanks for throwing. Throw me in the loop. Nice going. Well, everybody knows I'm a huge Kiss fan, but I'm also a huge Wasp fan. I've always been a huge Wasp fan. Before we even get this started, Tell Julian you want more of these episodes of Wasp. I've been at him for how many years now? <laughs> so a we long time. We, there should be a whole thing just on Wasp itself. Seriously. So the Wasp it's, FAQ podcast is that what practice. you really, really want? Why not? Love him, I hate him. We'll get into that later. But anyways, my name's Andy. Let's move on. We'll, right. we'll get to the. I don't waste time. <laughs> and, and in window number two. We've got Brant Meredith. Uh, Brant, why don't you tell everyone about what you do, your, the show that you do, because I was recently a guest on one of your show episodes, and it was a wonderful experience to talk with you and your son. And uh, what's it? He, oh, every time. Rick. 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 I'm sorry, Rick. You know, and Rick about Kiss. So now we're getting to talk about something else. So have the, have the mic. Um, well, I'm Brant from, uh, it's, uh, my channel's in my head. <laughs> it's getting ready to start. It's from, it's all for you demon because I work with Rick that much. It seems, um, but I'm from, uh, in my head, uh, been on YouTube for about two years, a little over two years. And, uh, and I do mostly kiss and we're currently in the middle of where we're getting towards the end of a series called the panel has spoken where we basically take collectively, people's votes on songs and we list the tracks and we have a scoring system and we collectively put everybody together and list it and go down and we're up to revenge. We actually are taking votes on revenge now on my social media. And, um, we are going to, we're getting ready to start an eighties. Uh, the panel has spoken. We're starting with guns and roses appetite for destruction. It's one of the biggest influential albums. Uh, I was from 80 to 89. I was 11 to 20. So it's like my formative teenage years was during the 80s. Um, and so we're doing that. But I also do all kinds of other stuff. I do things like um, fix-it videos, tech videos, paranormal stuff, cooking videos, uh, whatever I just feel like doing. I have a series that I'm developing called Th Three Beer Brant because uh, I get very um, – uh, my I lose a lot of my filter – after about my on when I'm on about my third or fourth beer. And so uh, I'm developing a series doing that with Rick where we're also um, me and Rick work a lot together. So 
Uh, if you've not seen me, uh, you can just find me. Uh, it's in my head um, is the name of it. I got it from a Kiss song off of Carnival of Souls. And um, I'm on YouTube. I'm also on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, if you can just search in my head or search at Brant Meredith, um, you'll find me. And also look up my partner in crime, Rick from It's Off You Demon. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, so that's basically just what I do. I, I love Kiss. I've been a Kiss fan since I was seven. I uh, got Destroyer uh, when I was seven years old. And I've been a Kiss fan ever since to different degrees. But I've always been a Kiss fan. And uh, I'm looking forward to this. I really appreciate you having me on the show. I'm looking forward to talking about Wasp. Um, I'm not a very deep Wasp fan, but the era that we're going to be able to talk about just a little bit, um, I'm kind of deep in. And then I kind of went into the shallow end as they, as they went on, but it's a band I've always admired and I've been digging back into their first album um, and their second album over the last few days. And it's like being a 15 to 16 year old kid all over again. Isn't that wonderful? Just a way to go back and like listen to music that we don't necessarily listen to on a regular basis. Well, I know obviously it'll vary for everyone, Andy. Um, but but I did have one quick question for you, Brant, before we move on. You recently did the uh, the panel for Asylum, and I saw that Bruce had sent his rankings in for that album. How did he do compared to the? You know, the panel has spoken. Was he in line with the picks of everyone or was he way out of line? The crazy thing is we actually discussed that in the video towards the end of it is he was exactly dead on except for two tracks. Of course, if you miss one, you're going to miss another because if you miss one, if you got one wrong, you got to have one wrong somewhere else. But from almost I think he got all the bottom tracks right, all the top tracks right, and he had a couple transposed in the middle. But it was scary how dead on he was. It's probably the closest that I've ever realized. He blew me and Rick out of the water. He was our our predictions was um you know was way off of what the panel chose. And that's the fun part about it and predicting and we're I'm starting to see people on social media they're showing their pictures where they have written down and they've played along at home. And that's really cool to see too. It's I I, I love the KISS community. I know that we bump heads on eras and our favorite members of the band and and things that Paul and Gene have chose to do or chose not to do throughout the years or maybe currently. But at the end of the day, we're just like any big dysfunctional family. We're still family, you know, um, and that's it's a great community of meeting guys like you, Julian, and just meeting other guys that I've met in the community, Rick, Ralph Vieira, and just so other many different uh, people in the community. It's it's great. And then you and then you start chasing them down their rabbit holes of, you know, they love Kiss. But then, you know, like Ralph, his he Priest. likes Kiss. Yeah, but it's priest, you know, and, and and cheap trick, and and then you get Rick. Rick like likes all these weird '80s bands and too, you know. So it's 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 really cool to to be able to follow them down their own rabbit holes too. Absolutely, and Andy here. I mean, you wouldn't know it from looking at him, but he is an absolutely massive Aerosmith fan. He's going to be doing the Aerosmith podcast with me, and I'm sure he's so excited to be a co-host of that show. You know, Boston, absolutely. Massachusetts. You know, going to represent. No, I'll represent. 
Never. Uh, all right. This is a last podcast. Now you have to bring Aerosmith into it. Good God. Well, you know, I'm sorry. I'm just that sort of person. I'm a troublemaker at heart. Andy, why don't you tell Hi. us about how you got into Wasp, your first experiences with them, and what it was that, I guess, kind of drew you in to them as a band in what is now the early 1980s, which, of course, as Brand has said, and I concur, was a formative part of my growing up musically. You know, what did it for you? Well, uh, my, my, my story, my introduction to Wasp was really they opened up for Kiss. I happened to see uh, uh, Kiss Animalized Tour was, you know, starting 84, and then they did shows in 85. So I had already seen Kiss Animalized a couple times in 84 and early on. I think maybe like the third or fourth show or something. I just missed Mark. So that was kind of a, one of those things. So anyways, I bought the tour book, you know, had Mark on it. So, uh, so I was a... Uh, Fresh, uh, no, no, sophomore, sophomore in high school, and uh, this, this is for all you kids out there that, that might be listening to this. <laughs> Some of us are a little bit older, so this is not when cell phones and you could get online and check anything out. You basically had to you know people that knew, or somehow you went to another show, and people are saying, "Oh yeah, Kiss is playing," or, or, or "This band's playing," and this playing, and they're playing here, here. Oh, they really are, and then you would go down to like Ticketron or Ticketmaster and, and basically ask them. You know, where's this band playing? How can you get tickets? And sometimes they wouldn't let you even buy tickets if you were out of state. It's kind of a weird thing. But you know how it is nowadays. So anyways, my introduction was Wasp. <clears throat> it was on March 28th, 1985. Uh, a friend of mine who uh, has passed away, he had like a 65 Mustang. He uh, says, hey, man, uh, Kiss is playing tomorrow in Springfield, Massachusetts, which is about an hour and a half from me. And uh, Springfield had been known to be a very rowdy crowd. Uh, if you can go back and uh, look at some of the 70s Kiss shows that have been there, very rowdy rests and even some of the 80s, very rowdy crowd. And it was like one of the last places to have a general mission, actually general mission shows up until late. I don't know what it was, maybe maybe early 90s. They started stop, stopping those general mission shows. So anyways, uh, and uh, so my friend says, hey, hey, meet me at the, you know, the, the school or the school. The high school I went to. So I said, okay, I'm blowing off school. Because <laughs> because we're gonna, you know, because you had to hang, hang out all day. So I went to went to high school. I was about a uh, half a mile away. Uh got there, left my car at home, walked there, got in my buddy's car, you know, like uh five other guys that went, and I had no clue. I had no idea who Wasp was, never even heard of them because I'm on East Coast. Nobody ever heard of Wasp, man, until they went on a major tour either with you know Kiss. Or they went out with Black Sabbath. Those those were the two things that made Wasp very, you know, more well known before the videos, you know, or during even the videos weren't even played. But anyways, so on the way there, one of my buddies goes, "Hey man, I got the band who's opening up. They have a they have a you know cassette tape." <laughs> and they said, "Oh yeah," and he says, "Oh yeah, the name is Wasp, man. They're like a, they're like a dirty, like Kiss, but they're like they're like." kind of like a Motley Crue, but they're like not Motley Crue because they're actually more, you know, more, I don't know, cock rock as Julian say, right? Really more dirty. Didn't look like Kiss, you know, because, you know, Motley Crue basically tried to be a Kiss in the first year, you know, as everybody knows. And then all of a sudden, the kid, the kid, you know, one of the friends puts the tape in and I'm like, wow, this is actually pretty cool. I had no idea except for you see the cover on the CD, you know, on, on a cassette tape. And it's, you know, it's this big. So you're looking at it going, yeah, that's kind of cool. They look, you know, whatever. It looks kind of, you know, a little bit of a raunchy kind of thing. And they're like, 
hey, that's kind of cool. The skeletons, the Halloween thing, you know, I make the, you know, just Halloween horror stuff anyways. So next, you know, we go there, wait all day. Friends take off. Some of them wait in line. Some take off. They come back. Like, hey, we just met the guys in Washington. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, because I had like no clue. I, I had no clue. And this is, and it's funniest thing. This is, and I actually stuck it on today for the first time in a long time. This is the actual shirt I wore at that show because it was the animalized thing. And then, <laughs> the funniest thing about it too is I actually wore this shirt. I had a jean jacket, had kiss patches all over it with buttons all over it too. And I actually had spandex pants on, believe it or not. <laughs> I think I have still, yeah, and I think I still got them somewhere. You know, that was the time. And, you know, and I, and I did kind of like the policy, and I put, like, headbands wrapped all around my legs. And I actually had a chain wrapped around my leg, too. Not a thick, thick chain, but a chain wrapped around my leg. I have no idea. Bandanas wrapped around my wrist, one around my head to animalize, one around my head, all this stuff. Because, you know, I had long hair, too, and even longer and darker. And I know it's crazy. So, anyways, we go there, wait, wait. So, next to they open the doors. And it's just like, and that, the crowd was like, it went around the building. I mean, of course, I'm young, you know, younger. Like, what did I say? I don't know, 14, 15? I don't know, 16, I don't know, whatever the hell. But still, the crowd was humongous. And they're like, everybody's like, yeah, wait, you got to see this man. Wait till you see this man. And I'm like, holy shit. So next, you know, we run in. I go down on the floor. And, of course, it's general mission. And it's just a complete madhouse. And next, you know, I see, I'm like looking at the stage going, holy shit. This is the opening act. The opening act is, has a full out stage. The skulls were there. The, 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 the uh, you know, the, uh, the Blocky Laws had his, uh, you know, the, 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 mic, the mic stands, the chain mic stand up. But not only that, uh, some of the videos you see of them, they, they just like walk up to it, right? They actually had boxes. So they would stand on a box and make them even higher up. When I went to that show and I couldn't believe it. And I'm like, holy shit. And then they came out and it was just absolutely nuts. And then, of course, not knowing, never saw a wasp, never do any of this stuff except for the tape. And next thing I'm like, what the hell is that? Next, you know, there's, there's Chris Holmes running around like a mad dog. He looks like he's on something because the guy's like, you know, Paul Stanley on steroids, really, seriously. And then next, you know, Blackie's running around. And next, you know, Chris Holmes turned around. He's wearing assless chaps. I'm like, what the hell? Are you serious? And next, you know, there's like, you know, and Blackie's got the base in front of him. So you didn't really see, you know, the, the, the blade, you know. The cock rock blade because unless he lifted it up and he did lift it up that many times. And back then he didn't turn around too many too at the time, he didn't really turn around too much. So you couldn't see his other side. But the next you know, he lifts the thing out. I'm like, what the hell? Turns around, he's like, and I'm like, holy shit, this is just like craziness. And they had the full out stage and they're playing, you know, the songs, all, all, all the songs off the first album. And, and, and you know, and in Blackie, I'm like, holy crap, they come out that, you know, during you know, they come out with the posters. You know, you want this poster. I want to hear your fucking, I want to hear you scream and all this stuff. And he's throwing, and I mean, it was absolutely out of mind. I couldn't believe it. I've never seen an opening act. It was like they weren't even in the opening act. It was like they were the full, you were there to see them. And then somebody was going to come out to be buying it. But knowing, oh no, shit, I know I'm going to see Kiss. It was absolutely nuts. And after all that, <laughs> it was funny because I had the headbands on after a while. They fall. I'm in a crowd. Rowdy crowd. And next thing you know, I actually took the chain off because the chain kept falling down on me. And I and I actually threw it on stage next to Black. I'm just like throop, threw it right on stage. I'm like, man, I'm sick of this thing. Kept falling on me. I'm like, throop, and it just kind of, they kind of look like what the fuck? <laughs> Oops. And uh so that was really my introduction to Wasp. And also that night, I got lucky. Man, I'm telling you, I had no idea because my other friend, the other guy that was with us was freaking out. 
Uh, I actually caught a Blackie Lawless pick that Holy night. Crap. That's cool. That's, co- that's very cool. And there's nothing on the back. It was just it was just plain. But this this is one of that I I mean I, I it might be more picks even from like the earlier days. So basically that was my introduction to Wasp. So wow. here's my so the next day after school because you know I actually actually went to school and <laughs> after school I went down to Strawberries. That's that's like a I don't know it, it's a chain. The chain in New England around the whole new and went down and bought the first album. <laughs> nice. Let's, so, uh, we'll talk about the first album, the music, you know, in a minute. But I mean, what you basically describe sounds to me like someone describing watching Kiss open for a band in the early '70s, a generation earlier. That here you are in the '80s, experiencing pretty much a very similar sort of situation to what we've heard of them opening for other bands and blowing them off stage. I mean, obviously we're, we're not talking about that, but in, instead of having a big visual presence and a, a solid stage show, I mean that must have been hellishly, you know, impressive. And general admission, uh, yeah, yeah. Well. We're- when you're younger like that, you know, you're in, a, in the pits back then in the days, you didn't care. It no. was just free. It was it was on. It didn't matter. I mean, I never really I never punched anybody or anybody. I just had my arms in the air. It thought love a lot. You know, <laughs> I mean, a lot of us back in the day had long hair, too, in the 80s, too. Right. It was tough when you're in a general mission, you know, get people on your back. You know, you're like, you're Andy, pulling, you Andy, 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 so, I, I actually had hair in the 80s. You know, I miss yeah. <laughs> the 80s. I don't really want to remember them with you swinging your, your, your locks around. You know, it's taking me down a very difficult part of my life to deal with. Uh, Brad, what was your introduction to, uh, you know, to Wasp? And, you know, what do you recall of kind of the first things that kind of grabbed your attention with them as a band? <clears throat> Um, well, I'm pretty sure I never saw Wasp live. Um, I did see the Animalized tour, but it was later on in the tour. Um, it was after Bruce had came on. And um, what's funny is um, the shirt that you have on, I actually, with Mark St. John on it, I had a shirt like that. They were still selling them at the tour, but then you can't find that shirt now. You find that shirt reproduced or whatever. It's got Bruce Kulick on it. They they photoshopped Bruce in where where Mark St. John was. Um, I should be then, huh? <laughs> so yeah, that's a, that's a rare shirt. Uh, and yeah. even if I still had mine, it wouldn't fit me. So kudos to you. Um, Bill, <laughs> if I stand up and show you, he wouldn't be. You know, you don't want to see that. <laughs> um, my my um, I got exposed initially to Wasp through um by via of probably Motley Crue, because like I said, I'd been a Kiss fan. And before I was a Kiss fan, I was an Elvis fan. And um, so my bubble, my musical bubble was very small. I went from basically liking Elvis to liking Kiss, and Kiss was really all I listened to. I just kind of obsessed over them. Um, And I came in at a really good time. I came in during a live two, double platinum, the solo albums, Dynasty. Dynasty was my first concert ever. And I saw it was the first time of of many times that I saw Kiss. And um, I saw Kiss several times in that Coliseum. I saw them on the Creatures tour there, the Lick It Up tour there, the Animalized tour there, the Asylum tour there. I saw them on the Asylum twice. Um, And so... I can't remember who opened for them. I was going to look it up on set list, but I can't remember who opened for them when I saw them, but it was after Bruce. I, it wouldn't have been, uh, it wouldn't have been Wasp because I would have well, probably remembered. I think, I think it was black and blue because, uh, it was the, black and blue. 
because Wasp only played four or five shows with Kiss for the Animalized Tour. Mm-hmm. They played like two before Springfield Mass, and then they played New Jersey, and that was it. They only played four or five. I think it was two shows in Florida, then Massachusetts, and then New Jersey. And then a lot of people, the following year, because I see a lot of people say they saw him on Kiss Asylum, which I didn't. I think I don't know who was on Kiss Asylum. Maybe it was Black and Blue on Kiss Asylum. I, 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 uh, when the Asylum tour came around, I forgot maybe it was Black and Blue then. I never got to see Wasp on the Asylum tour, which is kind of weird. It's like not seeing, you know, like, I don't know. You said you saw the Creatures tour. Did you happen to see Motley Crue on that? On, were, were they on that one? I think it was the Plasmatics. Wasn't the, cre- wasn't the Plasmatics on the Creatures Tour at some point in time? Because I yeah. saw the Plasmatics, but I can't remember what tour it was, so it might have been Creatures. Yeah, they saw uh, had, Plasmatics started opening for Kiss in February of 83. They, they, they followed Night Ranger, so, and then Motley Crue came I, I at got, the end. I got, Night <laughs> I got Night Ranger. So, yeah. So that's the kind of the drift, you know. So Wasp didn't really play a lot of uh, shows with Kiss in 84. They had their own tour in 84, which was like 55 shows, but they were like California, Texas. Uh, they, they, they didn't really go out of the West Coast area. If you look it up, you see it on the West Coast area. They never got that far out until they went on the Kiss tour. And I think that, you know, like I said, the Asylum, they were – Played much more on the asylum, and then, you know, when you got to the last demand, they went on tour with Black Sabbath, and you know, and that really put them, you know, in the limelight of really seeing, you know, seeing them. And then, of course, the videos came out, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. But uh, yeah, so I'd listen to Kiss, and then I got exposed to Motley Crue, and uh, I remember seeing, and I bought magazines. There was a store right above my house, and I used to walk up there, and I'd spend my allowance buying magazines and I remember seeing Blackie in the magazine. I remember seeing um, the saw blades he had on his arms. And I remember looking and saying, wow, this is how kind of like maybe how kids used to look sans the makeup. But I saw they were very theatrical. They reminded me of Motley Crue. Like you said, you made that reference. They reminded me of early Motley Crue, the shout at the devil, uh, uh, you know, too fast for love crew. And uh, and so at the time I had a, a, a subscription to uh, our RCA or Columbia House Record Club who didn't, you know, take the penny and and they had the little stamps and you put it on. <laughs> and I remember seeing Wasp, this little bitty picture of the album. And so I put it on there and got it. And I remember getting the album and I remember just looking at the cover and just being like, this is going to be badass, you know, and putting it and putting it in. And yeah, I mean, you know, we'll talk about the album, but um, I was, um, I really enjoyed their first album. And I had a friend of mine that I, uh, uh, in junior high and into high school, we always talked about music and um, went to school and started talking to them. Brought, I'd sneak my albums to school in my gym bag, bending the, bending the corners of them all up. And so, yeah, I took that in and they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, Blackie Lawless. They didn't even say Wasp, but like, oh, yeah, Blackie Lawless. And I was like, yeah, you know. So, uh, but that was basically my introduction. I never seen Wasp live. And it wasn't a band that after their first album, I really didn't uh, follow them very hardcore, but I've always enjoyed them. See, for me, so much of my story starts in 1985 
for kind of my hard rock adventures with Kiss, it's Asylum, with Molly Crew, it's Theater of Pain. Those are the albums that I got into that really dragged me to the dark side. You know, before that, you know, 83, I'd been into Quiet Riot and uh, Pyromania, obviously. Um, but they hadn't really stuck and become a, a lifestyle thing as much as, you know, buying all the rock mags. I mean, I was just looking through these um, lying around, you know, the old faces and hit paraders and all that. That's where I my education kind of came from about other bands and what was going on. Watching MTV was the big thing. And in 85, obviously, um, you know, we'll, we'll get to this, but obviously Electric Circus was the album. And to a certain extent, it's kind of always been one of my favorite Wasp albums. I know it's not one of the better ones, when you, especially when you compare it to the first, which we'll talk about in a minute. But there was something really good going on with the image on, you know, the videos that were being made for this that were in circulation. And then I got to see the videos from the previous albums, and I went backwards through the catalog. I, I got Last Command next. I worked my way backwards. And, you know, it took me quite a few years to get Winged Assassins or whatever you want to refer to it as. And I was only looking at today I, and I was just like, whoa, there's eyes on the cover of that thing. Um, I never noticed that before looking at that cover, that there's actually <laughs> a face in the background behind everything. Which I, well, when we get there, I, when yeah. we get to that so I, I came in when they were had become a little bit more melodic. And, and come on, 1985, so many of those Hollywood and bands had kind of toned themselves down a little bit. Motley Crue obviously completely toned themselves down with theater. Though I do still say that if that thing had the guitar sound of Shout at the Devil, it would be a damn sight better album than it actually is. Um, Kiss obviously had also changed themselves. Um Aerosmith well, in '85 had I said the A word again, Andy. Just I'm yeah. just like every, everybody changes themselves, man. Every, every band's got to change themselves. If they don't, it seems to repeat. It seems to. I, I think one of the only bands that could that's repeated itself kind of in the same way is ACDC. Yep, and gotten it's, away with it. You know, it seems to repeat. You know, the same whatever, whatever, and it seems to work for them. It's one of the few bands I think it works, but other than that, it don't work. But you know. Seeing, you know, people, people will refer to say, oh, man, Motley Crue. And then they say, like, Wasp. Wasp is like, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, if you go back to, the like, before, the even older than that, like, the sister-sister, you know, Blackie and, and Nikki Six knew each other. You know, that, that whole California thing. They used to all hang out. They used to have, they had some wild stories. You know, so they kind of all knew each other. And, uh, you know, to me, Motley Crue tried to be Kiss in that first year period there's no doubt about it they tried you know a little bit cheaper version let's say cheaper but a diversion they wanted to be kissed period wasp man wasp just was like sleazy dirty cock rock they didn't give a shit they basically to me man blew motley crew way out of the water they just didn't get the recognition because of certain things that that that, that came up you know you know we'll get you know whenever you want to get into the the CDs and talk about that stuff, but you know, I, I just I don't know. They just badass man. That when you're a kid and you're a teenager and you're a guy and you're a teenager man, that 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 in the '80s, that's what you wanted to hear, right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So let's talk about the album, but Brown. Why don't you start us off with you know a little bit of your review of this album and you know what are the songs that jump out of you and are there any real dogs on there? Other than Chris Holmes, <laughs> what? 
Um, let's see. I, I, I listened to it again this afternoon just to uh, just to be refresh my memory on it. Um, there's really only a couple songs that just really don't do it for me on this album. There's not really any songs I'd consider really bad or stinkers, but the two that just kind of fall a little flat for me is um, School Days falls a little flat for me. And um, Tormentor falls a little flat for me. Um, and I've always thought that it sounds a lot of these a lot of these early 80s albums. They sound a lot like um, they sound a lot the same. Like you'll hear uh, they'll sound like guitars sound like Judas Priest, Iron Maiden. They have a lot of that same sound. And so whenever it first comes on, unless you know the song, you don't really know what band you're listening to. Uh, but I don't fault it for that. Um, but the real standoff song for me is a standout song is uh, I really love um, the torture never stops. I like sleeping in the fire. Um, I like Helgen. Um, but I also like, you know, the, like I want to be somebody L O V E love machine, the flame um, B A D. I really like, um, on your knees, on your knees. Whenever I first came back, and you're like, "Okay, we're going to talk about Wasp." Before I ever, uh, and I don't own this album anymore. I used to have it on vinyl, but I don't own it anymore. It probably got destroyed when I was a kid. Uh, but the two that just whenever I looked at the track list on on Amazon, getting ready to stream it, I knew how I was. I'm, I knew how I want to be somebody. Um, Love Machine and On Your Knees. I knew how they were going to go. I could remember, I could hear parts of the, those in my head before even playing the song. But as I played through the whole thing, I was like, oh yeah, I remember this. Oh yeah, there's a cool part coming up here. Um, and so, and it, that happened a couple on the, on the other albums too. I had a lot less exposure, but I really dug into this album and I really enjoy this album. I actually forgot how much that I do like this album. I'm actually going to be, it went on my, my checklist for the next time we get out of lockdown and I can actually go into record stores again. I'm jonesing to get into a record store um, and, 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 you know, sort through the crates. uh, And just, I love, I love doing that, just sorting through the crate. Um, But I'm going to be looking, this is on my list to be looking for. Yeah, absolutely. That's the one thing that always blows my mind of this album is, number one, it's incredibly strong, even with two songs removed from it, which, um, you know, obviously Animal and, uh, oh, God, what's the B-side? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Show No Mercy. Thank you. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I remember when I went to England in 1987, I had a bunch of friends by that point who were also metalheads that are like, can you get me the animal single when you're there? Get me the animal single, please. You know, because... No, no. Now that you're talking about that, do you know the real story about that? Um, which real story about it? Well, the story that I got is that supposedly, you know, Animal, which wasn't called Animal originally, it was called Up Like a Beast. It was supposed to be on the, the, the first CD, <clears throat> which I'm glad it wasn't because the way it worked out, it made them actually even cooler like that because I don't know, just the way it worked. So anyways, the guy who was, and I forgot his name, he was the, he, he, he's the manager of Iron Maiden at the time too. 
And then he became a manager or whatever it was for Wasp. And he turned around and told Blackie and them, change the name of the song. And he mentioned you should change it to Animal. So you can, you know, get maybe get it on the original C, you know, the original album. And they still said no. So according to what they said, that Capitol Record, they, you know, Blackie Company, and they went back to Capitol Record and said, do you mind? If we shop this song around on its own. Now, think about it. Now, Wasp is in a contract with Capitol Record, and they turn around and say, hey, is it all right if we go shop this song around to, to another company that will sell it for us? And Capitol said, go for it, which that's unheard of. I don't think it's ever been done. No no, uh, no company at the time was going to turn around, or even now would say, yeah, go ahead. Go, let some other company, whatever. So they did, and what happened? Sanctuary picked it up, and they changed the name to Animal, and then it became the EP, and then they and it sold, isn't it? So that that's the story I had got, and that's if that's true, that's crazy. And then when you think about it, yeah, Capital, and you have Sanctuary, that the company that sold it. So that's a wild story in itself. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know the drama of the first album with that song uh, attached to it. I mean, it's more in hindsight for me because obviously I wasn't a fan in 84. I didn't know anything about the band in 83 and only ever learned Rick Fox's name way, way later, you know, down, down the road in terms of the band's formation and, you know, the master of disaster or whatever they're called, uh, face the attack demos, which I, I still yeah. have, have kicking around here somewhere, you know, animal to me doesn't fit on the album. Um, I, I think with it removed, it's a stronger album because that would just have become the focus, the detraction from it. And doing a cutting a side deal was much better for the hype of being a, this song was so, so evil. Capital wouldn't let us release it. But we got Music for Nations was, I think, the original label in Britain uh, before Restless then picked it up later in Sanctuary, all that later uh, in 87, actually. Um you know, when that got reissued, there was a lot of hype around it then as well. You could finally get it in America. You know, yep. Restless and Sanctuary were putting out a whole ton of stuff in 87, 86. And, and parents, parents' worst nightmare it started being. You it know, was. Like, so now, now it wasn't just over in England that people had to beg me to bring it back over with me. Um, but, you know, Show No Mercy, that was a big loss because I think that is one of the very strongest songs from the era. Um, I got back into this album. You know, my show prep for this today was watching Wasp Live at the Lyceum, 84. And that whole video is just an absolutely fantastic, filthy... I did mine. <laughs> huh? Now did now did you do you do you uh, that uh, the song uh, part of it the, the wasp was actually in um, dungeon the movie the dungeon I have no idea it's called it's, uh, actually it was originally called Ragman but uh, the dungeon dungeon master oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. And, and they play part of it Tomantra in the song and uh, Tony Richards the drummer is actually in the video you actually they show which was. You know, he, he disappeared before they actually went on uh, tour, <clears throat> their first, you know, world tour. So Tony was gone. And, you know, I heard he was into drugs. That's that's the story. And so that's why they got him. And then they got Steve Riley. And everybody knows who Steve Riley is, right? L.A. Guns. Yeah, L.A. So, Guns, yeah. yeah. All but right. So me, what, what are what are your stronger picks on this album, Andy? I mean, 
you know, what are the songs that, I mean, you can't say the whole album. That is not an acceptable answer. You have to filter your selections down to some song picks here of the ones that work and maybe one that does not. Well, you know, I, I know that uh, I want to be somebody in Love Machine are the two big ones. So I, I'm just putting them aside because they are big and they are very popular, you know, whatever, because of the videos and the stuff and all that stuff. And they are great tunes, man. You know, just either, I, I'm kind of tossed out of the two is between The Flame and B.A.D., you know, and even, you know, it just. Because they were different. I'm like, even at even at BAD, I mean, what when I was a kid, you're like, what the hell's BAD? Is it a badass dick? I mean, <laughs> you know what I, mean? I mean, you know, it just I, I I do, but my least probably least favorite though, out of all of them though, on that first album though, I can definitely my least favorite is the the torture never stops. It's my least favorite, and if people are like, I gotta be out of your mind, you know, because of the whole you know, the chicken, the rack and all that stuff. And so, but to me, I don't know the sound of that one song, the guitar sound of that song. I don't know. I, I wasn't really favored with that sound, that, 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 that riff and stuff. I just, that wasn't just, I don't know. That just wasn't my favorite out of all of them. Though. And I'm saying it's a bad, but that's probably my least favorite out of that whole thing. Out of that whole song, you know, out of that whole album. But the thing of, you know, I mean, where is it? I'm going to go grab it too. Right here. I got everything. All right, so while you're grabbing things, I'm going to talk about some of the songs I like. I mean, I always liked the bands that were able to do very poppy stuff, but come from a metal direction with it. You know, so I want to be somebody. I mean, that is just pure pop in terms of its crafting, its positivity. Very Kiss-like in terms of, you know, they had great songs, especially on Dress to Kill, that you just kind of bop your head to. And there you've got Gene think- Simmons wagging his tongue. You know, a kind of similar thing was being engineered with Wasp, um, especially when you look at them in the image. And I have a problem watching shows, especially with assless chaps, you know, with, with Chris Holmes in them. It's very, very distracting. You're kind of like have got half the screen. You're like, no, not again. Um, but there's so much, so, um, such a diverse amount of music on this in terms of its style. Sleeping in the Fire is absolutely outstanding. To this day, yeah. I will put that one as one of the finest songs I've heard out of the heavy metal genre. Um, the Flame, I really, really enjoy. Um, and then it's On Your Knees. You know, So those, those are kind of my three big picks from this. What don't I like? I, I agree with you, Andy, about The Torture Never Stops. It really is a bit of a, a, a grinder that doesn't flow with the best, the rest of the album. you know. So again, Show No Mercy would be better in place of the, the Torture Never Stops. But you know what? Contrasts are important. Now what did you want to yeah. show us? What do you oh, have show and see? tell? Yeah, there, I, there, I, I used to have that. Is that the restless one? Yeah. from the which Which one is that? It's got the show no mercy on it, you know. Mm-hmm. And they get the other, the, the gold one. Ah. The gold one. It's got the show no mercy on the other side, and the animal on the side. And I got, actually I have another one on my wall that's never been opened. So it's like you know, like the you know, like you know, like he's got his kiss the you know, asylum. It's in those you know, like my wall. It's it's embedded in the wall now. So I don't think it's ever been opened. I think I bought it and I just saved it because you know, you had cassette tapes. You I, you know, I posted cassette tapes. I buy two. Two or three cassette tapes, one at home, 
one outside hanging out with your radio with a, with a big jam box and one in your car, right? Yeah. <laughs> the album, the albums, I think I'd like, nah, I'd be like, nah, I'm saving the album. You know what I mean? It's, it's, I don't know. But by, by the 80s, I was, it's more the cassettes, you know? Like, collect the albums, getting the albums because of looking at the covers. I seldom, bought out, I, I seldom bought albums. I was a cassette guy. I only had a cassette deck. Brent, what would be some of your, your final thoughts on this? And then let's talk about uh, Last Command. Um, I I remember this one thing that I walk away from with this first album and what I was feeling and what I was thinking about Wasp in general and about the first album was uh, some of the imagery and some of the the mystique that they tried to conjure that uh, Kiss did that um, Motley did and um, that like you know it was always kind of cool that oh Wasp Oh, that stands for uh, we are sexual perverts, uh, you know, and, uh, and that was all like with Kiss was Knights in Satan service or Kings in Satan service. Uh, Motley Crue had had the blatant pentagrams, uh, you know, and 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 they had, uh, you know, they had on the skeleton in the rack on the cover. Um, and like I said, you look at the pictures like that. They look like Motley. They look like Kiss. Had Kiss came up through the 70s and not wore makeup, uh, that's what I think Kiss would have looked like. Had they not had the makeup, they would have been a little more, and not saying that their costumes weren't creative, but they would have been a little more relying on those costumes in the stage show. Um, well, but, and, he's got a point, too, because like Kiss came out right like in the early years, very dark and black, right? Very dark and black and not a lot of stuff, but just like, just like Wasp. Very dark, black, black, black. Go ahead. <laughs> and I think I, I used to always think it was really cool with uh, with Blackie having the blue streak in his hair. That was that was a standout. Um, they they just looked dangerous. They looked dangerous. They looked. They remind me of a uh, a. a a poor, a poor uh, uh, L.A. Guns, <laughs> uh, you know, where L.A. Guns was a sleaze, sleaze rock too. That you know was was just about to, uh, you know, come out, um, was just about to break. Uh, and uh, but I Phil, remember Phil Lewis sleazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah, well, you know, Phil Lewis isn't sleazy himself, but you know, and and I'm not saying Tracy Guns. Sleazy, but oh uh, god, oh god! If there's a cockroach, yeah, with a guitar, Tracy's yeah, but, Tracy's awesome. But uh, but the the songs, you know, songs like Sex Action and and things like that off of off of their their first album, uh, they definitely took it a different direction on their second album, Cocked and Loaded. That's another that's another discussion for another day for another video. Uh, now I'm all in on L.A. Guns. If you ever want to do L.A. Guns, I'm all in on that one. I followed them all the way up through Hollywood Vampires. Uh, but um, I remember this pre-internet where you just couldn't go look up a song or jump on YouTube and find something. So I never heard Animal F Like a Beast until internet days. I, I didn't have a place where I could go and get imports, or even if they could get imports, I couldn't. I wasn't going to pay $30 for import 45 of, of, an, of a song or whatever. So... I remember not hearing animal until internet time, until being able to download songs legally or illegally being able to download songs and being able to hear. Uh, and so, I mean, I'm talking like 
removed 10 years from from it. And then I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, by the time, by that time we'd done heard, it done went through the 80s and everybody was saying F and F and F and F and F and, you know. Uh, but I remember this is one of the first songs that I remember to me, what I, the general story I heard was it was banned. You know, it was taken off the first album. It's banned off the first album because it's got F in it. And there's actually a song left on here where Blackie actually says the F word at the, the end of it, um, On Your Knees. At the very end of it, as it's doing the fade out, he's like, what the F was that? <laughs> I was like, I remember hearing that as a kid, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Back that up. Back that up, he cussed. So, because uh, well, and songs was, was, it didn't happen back then. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, I mean, I, I, I even myself, I, I never heard that song until I heard it live. And then I never saw the EP or something until later, until I get that cassette. I posted that cassette and people were like flipping out. It says Animal Live. It's like a little cassette. And I think it's got that woman on it. Actually, I got a, yeah, here it is. I got, I actually got the album of it too. Later on, when, when Strawberries, the company Strawberries that used the record company. That's that's the one I was bringing back for everyone from England. So. Yeah. It had uh, Mississippi Queen on Hellion on it, and which I, I still, even to this day, I understand with the cover with the with the dog and the chick. What the frig? I, I gotta be one of the dumbest things they did with that. Seriously, point blank. I love Wasp Man and I love every I loved a lot of the stuff, but this chick going like this with that, I thought it was completely dumb. They could've they could have done a lot they could have thought of something a lot better than that. Anyways. <laughs> but right. we didn't even we didn't even talk about I mean I, I know it is through all the albums, we didn't even talk about the voice. I mean, Blackie Laws' voice is just unbelievable. He has got that voice. It's one of those voices that uh, either you'll never hear again or so distinctive, you know it. You don't even have to know Wasp. You don't even have to know anything. And you just be like, you hear that voice and you say, damn, man, that's Blackie Laws. I mean, he, that voice of his is just unbelievable. So I, I think with that... It, it, Chris Holmes and stuff, he's got that guitar look like his guitar thing is like Ace really. He's got that sound. You know it's Chris Holmes playing guitar. Oh god, he's he's got an attack on his guitar playing that is Which just you sideways, the way he holds the guitar. Kind of like I mean, I'm not a pro either, you know, like I said, I'm not by the way he still holds it the same way. That way down, but it's turned tilted and the way he you know, I mean, you see guitar players and they're like kinda holding it Sort of straight. Chris Holmes has got like way down here, and he's like, you know what I mean? It's just no. the whole the whole thing. When they, I, I was just totally blown away by it, you know. So, um, yeah, but mid mid eighties image wise, I mean, I, I was kind of laughing at Blackie for his skunk streak, you know, because it had been well, done. It had been done by Joe Perry. It had been done by Paul Stanley. Who else had you know put a skunk stripe in their hair? You know, it it it, it was image, you know, and it was like okay, yeah. he's he, he's hearkening back to stuff that's been done you know the whole stage thing to me and again because i came in at this point in the mid 80s where all this stuff had already been done so i was just looking back through pictures was you know that there were a similarity between early wasp and kiss that wasp to me was like kiss without makeup could have been oh, yeah. had they started years later because the 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 fresh meat 
st uh, shtick that they did on stage, <laughs> throwing, it in, throwing it out into the audience. I never got the nun thing. And I mean, that, but then you look back at some of the Kiss photo sessions when they've got the, the, the girl. Um, there, there are a lot of similarities between them. And Blackie's voice, yeah, it is very unique. And it was really cool going back. I mean, I was going through a, a copy of, what was it? Where is it? It's right here. Him, uh, lighting lighting the, uh, the, the thing on fire, which, man, if, if you're younger, man, and never seen this before, never seen that before, because, you know, nowadays you can't do that. But, man, imagine being in that little club when Blackie Law set that the wasp sign on fire. I mean, I, I look at that thing now and go, holy God. <laughs> and those clubs aren't that big out in California either. I don't think, you know, I've never been on any of those arenas or clubs, but man, some of those clubs look very small. I don't even know that way. Put over and Blackie and them to hang out and stuff. Well, yeah, then think about stuff like the station fire, you know, which comes later and some of the stuff that they were doing in these shows, you know, in very small confines. I'm seeing if it's in here because I'm pretty sure it's this issue of Cream from 1976, which has a picture of Blackie with his then band, uh, Killer Kane. So Arthur Kane. Yeah, and he, he's credited there as Blackie Guzman. So, I mean, still very distinctive looking. Let's move into The Last Command because, you know, I do like to keep our shows at about an hour in length. So I think we're not going to get into the electric circus today. But The Last Command... Yeah, and your, your audio is just breaking up for a minute. So just, uh, just stay cool for a second. Last Command is when they started going a bit kind of softer and more polished. I, I believe that it's produced by Spencer Poffer. Yeah, it is. Spencer Proffer, Proffer for Pasha. So he had been responsible for ruining Quiet Riot with QR3 in 86, as far as I was concerned. Um, hated that album. But this album was the one where it kind of really married more melodic with absolutely filthy. And I'm, I'm just going to start off with a couple of my favorites on this one. And to this day, the first song I will happily skip through in my playlist to hit is Jack Action. There's something about the vibe of that song and just how it motors along and it's so damn melodic and it's so filthy. Um, I, I It's just one of those songs that kind of makes me click. Um, other than that, The Last Command, the title track, by far fantastic song on this album. And Cries in the Night, which was, of course, Mr. Cool. Mr. Cool. And if you, if you don't understand what we're saying, go look up Circus, Circus, and you can see uh, there's some hey, demos. Let me... Your voice just came back. Nice. Keep going. Keep talking. Uh, uh, <laughs> sure did. You muted me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, if, you look, if you look on YouTube, uh, look up Circus, Circus, and there is a bunch of uh, you know, pre-WASP, WASP, um, you know, demos. And uh, one of them is called Mr. Cool, which ends up being you know, uh, cries in the night on the last command. So it's exactly basically the same, except for they changed the words. And I'm glad actually they changed the word from Mr. Cool to cries in the night. It's not just makes it go a lot smoother. So, yeah. And, now, and the, the video that they've got up on, on YouTube for that. I mean, I mean, that's, that's really cool to watch the original kind of old version. I mean, it's like seeing Motley Crue 1981 and on one of those unreleased promos that still kind of circulate. So exciting stuff when you discover that for the first time. And maybe, as mentioning it will make someone now go out and 
discover that there was a much earlier song with a different lineup that predated even Rick Fox. So and it, it, it now, it now Wasp actually starts being bigger because now they, you know, open up for uh, Black Sabbath. So they're getting now they're starting to go around the country again, you know, with with that, you know, besides with the Kiss. Now they went to with Black Sabbath and they have a full out stage again, a whole different stage. And if you haven't seen it, you can go look it up. Uh, you go look up. Uh, I think it's a Montreal. There's a, a full wasp show taken from the back, showing the full all night. I think it's actually Randy Piper's wife. I understand it could be Randy Piper's wife or somebody that is in the family or somebody took the whole video. Unbelievable. <laughs> you know, just 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 crazy. And uh, the only thing I was thought was really weird about it when I was growing up about this whole album was. Why was only Blackie Lawless on the front cover? That's where it got a little bit strange for me. I mean, I mean, all four of them are on the back. There were all four of them were in the band still, but then all of a sudden, why weren't the four of them on the front cover? Why didn't they put the four of them on the front cover? Because the first thing you know, you think of the whole Kiss thing. They were a band. They were a team. We're all on the front cover. That I mean, it is a cool cover looking cover. I like the way it looks. I mean, him cool. You know, I even a pair of those moccasin boots and stuff. Actually, I bought a pair. I have, I think I still got them somewhere because of him, because of that. I just thought it was so cool. I like the suit and the hair because that's when he did the, you know, the white, the red, the blue. He had all put all three in. The videos were hilarious. You know, the blind in Texas, you know, video and all that. And the wild child was kind of in a, but I just thought it was weird at the time, even back then. Why was only Blackie on the cover? Ego. I don't know who, why the three of the other guys would speak up and say something. Well, maybe maybe that's a question for Rick Fox. Why is Blackie, by album number two, the only person on the cover of the band? And I think you could probably guess why, because it happens in a lot of bands. Brent, what was your first experience with The Last Command? And, you know, kind of where does it fit into... I mean, you say you said at the beginning of the show that you kind of dropped off from Wasp. Where does it fit in with uh, your story with the band? Um, what, what, caused, what caused this to really drop off for me was just in 1985 and in later parts of 1984, I made in notes in here. There were so many good albums that came out in, um, in, uh, 84. Um, and you know, I was still blown away from shout at the devil coming out the year earlier in 83, but, uh, I, my playlist in 84 going into 85, I'd been listening to Van Halen 1984. I'd been listening to Iron Maiden's powerhouse Dio's last in line. Twisted Sister, Stay Hungry, Rat Out of the Cellar, Dawkins Tooth and Nail, Queen's Wait, Likes, we, the we, Warning. Wait, we have someone who listened to Stay Hungry. Yeah. I've, I've never met someone who actually listened to Stay Hungry. I love Stay Hungry. Wow. I love, and I, I love the, the hit. I mean, I like the songs that's not the hits, like Stay Hungry and Nature of the Beast and um, things like that. I, Is I love SMF some, on that one? Yes. Right. Okay. You're an SMF, yeah. That's on there. Bonja, and of course, and you know, Animalize uh, came out um, during this time too, and everything. But in '85, I never owned uh, the Last Command, um, but I always thought I agree with you. I always thought that it's weird that on the Last Command and on Inside the Electric Circus, that Black is the only one on the cover, of the front cover. 
Um, but they're good covers. I just think if you're going to maybe put the other three guys maybe in the back. And and this that cover always kind of reminded me a lot of – it's on my phone. The last – that always kind of reminded me a lot of Destroyer, <laughs> kind of, in a way. The cover, the front cover did. Um, but uh, but I, I have heard songs. I've heard songs off of this. Uh, I was always a big fan of Wild Child. Um, uh, Jack Action is good. Blind in Texas is probably my favorite song off this album because it's just so much fun. But you could just tell that Wasp had a little more money uh, when they made this album or the record company was spending a little more money on them. Uh, and, uh, and Blackie, you know, for him to be the primary songwriter of the band, uh, you know, of course, he, he always seems to be a little better whenever Chris Holmes teams up with him. Um, Sex Drive, I really like. Running Wild in the Streets, I like. Um, Cries in the Night is really good. Uh, but my favorite songs probably off of this is uh, um, Blind in Texas and Wild Child. And like you talked about, Vin, uh, uh, Blackie's voice, just his opening line in Wild Child. As soon as they, they it's got that long intro to it. And just when he starts singing, he just has that raspy, gutter, melodic. It's like his voice is doing like three or four things at once. And it is unmistakable when you hear him sing. You may not know who it is if you don't know the song or who the band is. You know as soon as Blackie starts singing that it's Blackie Lawless and it's Wasp. Um, Even yes, if you so. don't know who Wasp is or Blackie Lawless, you're going to turn around and go, man, who's that dude and what that – Look at listen to that voice. Uh-huh. And point blank. But, you know, uh, of course, there's always the favorites. You know, the Wild Child of Blind Texas were always a big favorite. And I always put them aside because they're always a top song. But one of my favorite songs off the of the last command is Widowmaker. Yes, good yes. I, I love good. that. The way the whole the whole drum thing, the whole put all the extra stuff. That the Widowmaker for me, it's a Widowmaker. It's like that, you know, B side thing. But it was just so I don't know. It's just something about that. The Widowmaker's got me on that. You know, so that's the thing. And again. You know, you know they they were getting more popular, but again they had a full stage. You know, the full stage thing out. It kind of looked like a kiss thing. They had little things that run around, and then their heads were up on. You know, you see you see the heads up on. Uh, where is that damn thing? But you know, just go. Up but, on uh, a pike. Heads on a pike off the. Uh, heads on the like spikes way. or something. Yeah. Yeah. And they had and they had them on the back of the stage, and they would turn around and they, they would like spin at certain times and stuff like that. I mean, the theatricals was like a kiss theatrical, not not as much, you know, money and stuff like that. I understand that, but they still it looked like they were the band, and it was somebody else going to open up behind them. Again, they they were like full out. I mean, those guys, I don't know who put the money in all to this or all that, but man, they sure went full out. And I mean, you know, he's static. Yeah, that's you. Yeah, that's me. Somebody started a car or something. They went off. Anyways, um, it was a great thing. You know what? But it pissed me off, though. I never, and, 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 and I have a shirt right here. It's the white shirt. This is the last command tour today, but I never saw the tour. And this is an official shirt because I got it the year later because Wasp started getting banned from places. Believe it or not, Band was the baddest band 
completely in the world. Everybody, some people are like, oh, Motley Crue's the, you know, they're, they're the badass. I got news for you people. Motley Crue looked like pansies compared to Wasp. Serious. Wasp was getting banned places. Wasp would basically got banned in the New England area at the time when the last command came out. They were supposed to play Connecticut, New, uh, Boston, and New England in another place, and they were banned and they couldn't. I mean, Christ's sakes, Wasp got banned from Las Vegas. Come on, who gets banned from Las Vegas? <laughs> Nobody. So, you know, at that point, absolutely crazy. I'm trying to Love. remember what was it they did to get banned from Vegas? Because I remember they, that overseas they were banned places. People, because they, as Blackie Lawless said, they were they were every parent's worst nightmare at the time. Because Animal came out, people started getting the Animal. You know, kind of like the Kiss Destroy. You know, God of Thunder. When they got of Thunder, oh my God, the religious people. You know what I mean? At the time, even though the album was out way after that, you know. So, I mean, I think I think this album's helped by the amount of extra co-writing that's on it. That it's not just Blackie. Uh, you've got Steve Riley coming in on drums, replacing Tony Richards, right? That was yeah, he was yep. the, the drummer. Um, yep. But then you've got Blackie writing with Spencer, and Spencer was very melodic. Um, you got more. There are three songs with Chris and Steve Riley. You know. Is uh, takes the primary songwriting credit on Jack Action, so I think that benefited the band, but they didn't go as soft as say Rat. When you think about what happened to Rat between '84 out uh, out of the cellar and then Invasion of Your Privacy, you know, completely different bands in both terms of style from Leather, and they went into the you know kind of the Motley Crue spandex theatrics as well for Invasion. That's not saying I don't love that album. But, you know, Wasp didn't do that. They softened it down a little bit, but only ever so slightly. And what they softened it down for, they certainly kept together. I remember reading all the magazine articles about them at the time. I remember something about Vegas, but again, it just hasn't stuck in my head. There's too many kiss pieces of garbage in there that have pushed everything out the other air. Um, but... In, in terms of the album, I'd love, you know, watching some of the bootlegs on YouTube. You know, they've got these, the uh, Who Dares Wins flag as the drum riser behind them as well. And they always, from the shows that I've heard, dialed in pretty solid performances. They're pretty, pretty reliable in terms of what you got from the show, at least from the bootlegs I've heard. And I mean, I'm going back to Reseda 83 through Lyceum, obviously. Um, then there's uh, the Montreal one you mentioned. So, you know, they, they were strong performers, strong band, strong catalog. Um, it's a, and it's hilarious that Chris Holmes coming on blind in Texas wearing a, you know, he throws on a Dallas Cowboy shirt and throws on a Dallas Cowboy you know, football helmet and starts playing blind in Texas and can't even see. <laughs> I mean, and they were all like, and, and, you know, they did the kiss thing. They know they had a routine. They had to go to certain places at certain times, you know, whatever. And they, you know, switch sides and then, you know, got the audience and they were, I mean, look at the boot. Like again, all you got to do, if you have never seen it, go to YouTube, go to it's, uh, find out Wasp, Montreal and the Black Sabbath. Like I said, I never get to see the last command because they were there. But I got stuck with anthrax. You saw it was, Black Sabbath and Anthrax, you know. So that was my <laughs> with that. I was not happy when I went to Worcester Centrum, which they call a DCU now, where Kiss did. You know, if people know that's what they did the Thrills of the Night video, <laughs> or whatever. Don't so, anyways, mean, wait, wasn't that Turn on the Night? Yes, Turn on the Night. Not sorry, I said. Night. I'm sorry. You know, same, same difference to me. One's anyways. a good song, the other one isn't. 
Uh, whatever. <laughs> no, I like the 80s kiss, too. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm so, so I just want to be pumped. Please don't tell me it's an hour yet because I want to get into Electric Circus. I love All right. It. So, yeah, we're not getting into Electric Circus because we're, we're at an hour. That, that's that's our, my sweet spot for how much I can handle. Grant, final thoughts on Wasp. Where did you go from here um, or were you out? Um, let's see. Let me look really quick. Uh, Electric Circus. Uh, let me see if I know any songs off of or, or inside the Electric Circus. Um, oh. <laughs> let me see let me see i know yeah. i don't need 95 no nasty yep 95 I, nasty i know i'm alive i know i think i know sweet cheetah um i didn't get to listen to this one um i listened to the first two um by this time by 1986 um i was full-on I had more music than I could stand to listen to. And plus I'd also started my first band. And so, um, I was not only listening to music, but I was playing it a lot too. And so I was, um, a lot of band, if they weren't, uh, somebody that I wanted to grab a hold of with both hands, they sank to the bottom, uh, really quick. And unfortunately it's nothing towards them, but unfortunately Wasp was one of those, one of those bands after after their second album they fell off my radar really quickly and i was just i always wonder i was wondering prepping for this was what was it about wasp that they didn't make it as big as somebody like motley crew or people that they had similar theatrics with motley crew um alice cooper kiss it it wasn't because they didn't have talent and it wasn't because they didn't have a unique sound, and it wasn't because they didn't have theatrics and an image. I just kind of wonder why Wasp was, even though they have hardcore fans, they would be considered they wouldn't be considered an A-list to a lot of people. They wouldn't be considered an A-list band. They're not considered a Motley Crue or a Kiss or not even a Rat or a or a you know, they're more like a like a Dokken. Or even though Dawkins big and ooh. I love Dawkins, they're more like a black and blue. They're more like a black and blue. Oh, see that? No way. I'm just I'm just saying, yeah, because well, well, you know what it is? He, well, Julia just said too. He, he doesn't, you know, we're not moving on to the next set of albums. To I think what part of it, the next set of albums explains why what what happened and what Blackie said what happened. Or what Blackie thought was going on and decided what to do at that point. This is where the la- this is where the Electric Circus came in. He said a tired band had been on the road, album tour, album tour, album tour, and you know they started earlier than what we you know you always get that you know before they actually the first album is always doing stuff at home or what you know whatever you know in L.A. and this and that. So by the time you can get into this. I'm hoping we have more episodes of Wasp, man. This is this is unbelievable because, as Blackie explained, after they knew, you know, when um, uh, no Blackie ends up going back to guitar, they get Johnny Rod to come in and play bass. So it switched over. So they lost an, another guy. Another guy comes in, which I love the Electric Circus. I know Blackie says it too. He says, you know, a tired band, tired song, not what they really wanted at the end. I love the Electric Circus, and hopefully we can get into that later because I really love the Electric Circus. But Blackie said himself after that tour, after he did the live and the raw, 
And that's another CD. I'll yeah, we'll, get into we'll, it. We'll, we'll do all of those in, in another episode. But I think one of the things that you've both mentioned is something that's reinforced on that album, which we'll talk about in another episode. Look who's on the album cover again. Just the one guy. I always felt yeah. that Capital as a label didn't push them as much as Electra pushed Motley Crue. I mean, come on, Vince killed someone and was still able to be massive, even after putting out a piece of garbage like Theodore Payne, which admittedly had smoke in and Home Sweet Home, which saved it uh, completely. But Rat fell apart. Blackie didn't have a co-writer, a solid partner. You know, Chris was self-abusive. Even back then, I mean, come on, look at decline of Western civilization. You know, when uh, was well, that? That's, when that's was later? When was that's, that? That's eighty-eight. That that's so. That's part of the whole story of. So you know, a, a, again, I think it's a, a variety of factors. That number one, he's being pushed as the focus of the band because that doesn't happen without the record label. You know, and also when you listen to the stories about the control, and you go back to Rick. Uh, and again, Rick's a great guy to talk to, and some of the stories he shares about the foundation of Wasp kind of set the tone for what's going to happen. They had some great radio-accessible material. They had some very catchy, poppy songs, but they also had a very dark image that you just... It's not like trying to sell the Beatles. So I think it, it's explained. But we'll do another episode where we'll move into the Electric Circus and go through. Because, you know, I was... Yeah, I, I, I was prepared, Andy, to talk about Wasp. You know, but... But it's only it's only fair to talk about two and not do a ten hour webcast because that's just rude, and I don't do editing. I'm not editing. People love it. Yeah, save 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 it for next time. Save it, people. People, if you're watching this or listening to this, please comment. You tell Julia that you want more Wasp podcasts and this in between whatever. Whatever else is going on, I've been at Kim for years to do this. They have so much history, not just themselves, though. There is, like, interaction. Like, the guys do, you know, like I said, the guys do Blackie Law. You know, they knew some of the Motley Crue guys. You know, Blackie Law's knew Ace Freely. Back in, even when they were a child, when they were, like, Ducky Juniors, if you know the, the band, the, the, um, the band, you know, the gang thing. They were Ducky Juniors. They knew each other. Blackie was at, you know, the, the Fridays when Kiss did, you know, uh, yeah. the old thing stuff. He was in the audience and all that. So this is, a, you know, this is all kinds of crazy connections, you know. All right. So that, that's our stopping it's... point. Grant, thank you very much for coming on the Look It's Rock and Roll podcast. Send me the links and I will post them in the bottom of this screen for everyone to be able to check out your podcast and Rick's show. Andy, you'll be back. You'll be back. <laughs> I promise, you know. I know. I, I, I might go have a beer now as well. So for now, from Brent, from Andy, and from myself, thanks for listening to our free form <laughs> chat about the first two Wasp albums. You know, thank, uh, we hope to see you again on the Look It's Rock and Roll podcast. Bye for now. Thank you for watching or listening to this episode. Be sure to subscribe to us, like us, or even leave us a review. You can find us and join the conversation on Facebook. <laughs>